The following podcast is rated 18 plus for mature themes. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of The Roundtable, an 18 plus podcast talking about the culture and history of the fat burn inflation for communities. I'm your host with the most, a nerd with the word, Loco KO. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode four. I have had a tiring day of work, school, etc. And I am now here to continue my ever so lovely work with an ever so lovely writer. I bring you today someone I have known for quite a handful of years on their content they've done, but never had the opportunity to properly talk to them. So why don't I allow them to properly introduce themselves to you all? Thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to be on here. And I think it's a great um, thing to do with this podcast, sort of interviewing people in the fat furry community. Um, but I myself go by hdlb 33 on for affinity. And then you also probably know me better as Callum, um, as the character Callum on most of my art and in my stories. And for work, I work as a videographer. I do freelance videography on the side, but my main work is I do a lot of videos that are training and marketing based um, for a company. I won't go into too much detail with that because I don't really share that too often. (laughs) And then as you mentioned before, I write a lot of stories and I've been doing that for a long time now, but I do those as commissions, trades, collaborations, uh, YCH stories, and so many more things. It's a really fun medium for me to enjoy with this community. It's one of my biggest ways to interact with other people. Yeah, totally. I, uh, you've been going for since I think about 2012. Uh, so I joined FA about, Yes, about in 2012 is when I started my lurking account, which is now the same account that I have now. Um, And then I started to actually contribute, you know, and reach out to other people and write back in 2015. It was actually right, I believe, you know, like right about when the summer was starting. And I basically had a lot of free time to myself. And I was thinking about what's my biggest strength. I didn't have I wasn't a very good artist. Um, I couldn't really draw but I could write pretty well. I, I did very well in literature and English and all my uh, writing-based classes. So I started to write different stories. And from there, I just began to post them and um, a couple of people reached out to me, started to talk with them. And from, yeah, from there, it was just uh, sort of snowballed into what I am today. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I actually kind of relate to the uh, the English stuff because uh, I used to do pretty well with um, English classes. You, you do you you live in America? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know about the ACT. I do. Yeah. Ah, uh, so that was I got like a twenty-seven <laughs> or a twenty-nine at one point on that thing back in high school. So you oh, can imagine, what? you can imagine English was my my strong suit. But yeah, uh, I think being part of just that kind of general interest in writing will lead you to do that. But. I guess I should more directly ask, uh, what's your history with making fat for an inflation content? Uh, so for me, it was um, 
like I said, like, you know, realizing that writing was my biggest strength and what I could contribute. So back in 2015, I started to work on a series that of uh, someone had started on a place called writing.com where they had basically created a series of choose your own adventure kind of things. And they were all, but they're all weight gain based. Like they were all fat furs. Um, and they were all pop culture characters from Disney movies, especially like that was the big one was Disney movies, um, which I think is a gateway for a lot of people into mm-hmm. the community in general. And the one that I remember it being was Maximus from Tangled. Um, so I like contributed probably like over the course of like two weeks, I wrote like uh, probably a thousand words a day, just sort of it was almost like a writing oh. exercise. I could do it. So then I did that and that sort of led into me feeling comfortable to actually post actual stories to my FA account. And if you go into my FA account and you go back to the stories that I have in my gallery, I mean, you can trace them all the way back there. The, uh, the ones that I really sort of kicked me off was I came up with Callum very early on. Like he was my main character from the get go. I think he was yes. like my second story put him into a story where he was a baker and he was pretty much like the design of him hasn't really changed too much. He had a couple of small changes. I got rid of the wings for obvious reasons. He doesn't really fly. (laughs) I don't think there's much use in it. Really? No, no, there's, I always laugh when I see a bigger character with wings. So I'm like, what are the chances that they actually use them? (laughs) But, um, so then I, yeah. And so I basically like, I knew like he was a baker from the beginning, like all the way back. I was like, I want him to have a vocation that lets him be big around other people naturally. And then also naturally, feed others as sort of a it basically encourages everyone to be a little bit on the heftier side so i really enjoyed Mm -hmm. writing it's like a 13 part series that i just went through and then from there it just grew and grew and grew and i got art i got um you know i started doing trades i'll mention one of the people that was an early inspiration was sugar boy who yes i love his content i do too um it was he like he and i in 2015, I, I think he was my very first trade that I ever did with someone. And that was like a really fun one to do. And he was one of mm-hmm. the first things that really drew my dragon, basically the way like he is now. Like if you look at mm-hmm. the picture from eight years ago, nothing has changed about my dragon. <laughs> He's the same. And it's just because I loved how his design was from really. So the sugar boy really nailed yeah. how he was. Um, I see. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking back at the old content, and I can see it's. Uh, it was first posted on FA May 17th of 2015. That was the first part. Uh, so yeah, it is a 13 part series. That that is insane. How long it went for? <laughs> yes, and I remember it was like a couple of characters in there. Um, I used the first second, and then I didn't use them as much later on. And I do remember I. Um, yeah, that was like, it was a great series to write because it was like, for me, it was like I had creative control and I was like, I love to read other people's stories and then kind of find scenarios that they had written and then write those myself and be like, oh, this is this is why they chose to do that. Yeah, so it sounds kind of like a community-based fan fiction of characters you really liked. Yes. All right. Yes, that is really very accurate. All right. So... Would you say that there was some sort of a, I wouldn't say 
what got you into making it, but just kind of what got you interested in uh, fat fur inflation content. Was there a certain point that got you interested? Yes, there was. It was, well, first it was the movies and shows that showed that sort of content. Scooby-Doo, I think, is a big one for a lot of people. And then mm -hmm. I think probably the one single most famous example I've seen a lot of people reference is Templeton from Charlotte's Web. Like, <laughs> I see that I a lot that nowadays. Yeah, I think that might be the golden standard just because it's like in a lot of shows, it's like a throwaway gag. Like you have like Scooby-Doo, you know, they eat, they get big, but then it's like for a split second. There's only a couple episodes where they actually stay big. But like with Templeton, mm -hmm. it was like very for me, it was like you could follow like an like it was actually part of like his character. And it was like, mm -hmm. OK, so, you know, it's like he enjoys this and the animators worked hard on that sequence. And then yeah. that. Yeah, and then that led me to uh, the roundhouse.wolfnet.net, which I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you're familiar with. but I, I actually talked about that on the first episode. I went through a deep dive. That was, uh, what, oh, aside really? from Fur Affinity, that was the first website that I really dived into uh, early on in my interest of this content. Yes, that was that was a big one for me, too, with the, uh, the banner that uh, Squeaky slash Duo Radon threw, all, along with all of their other incredible comics and everything mm -hmm. um the stories though like the gallery of stories in there particularly the ones by wolfgang wide slash lupin i believe is yes. how good were the ones that like to me really stood out and then captain furry did like a five part series i want to say um or where each of the stories are just it's not for me it was it was fine to see like a two three page story but like these were 30, 40 pages and oh. it just was the characters, all of this interactions and they have different scenes. And it's like, not just they get big at the end, it's like they get big and then they have to deal with, you know, the ramifications and the yes. way that affects their daily life. And it's so much fun to kind of color in a world where it's not just big at the end, it's, it's, it's more colorful. Oh, totally. I 100% I agree about that. And I... You know, Wolf Gone Wyatt, I think, was kind of one of my early likes kind of inspiration. There's a few others, but um, he was pretty good. I tried reaching out to him uh, actually before I reached out to you. Um, he yeah. said he would like to decline on the interview, but <laughs> so you you were the one who was next in line, I guess. I will say, like, I've actually, um, you know, I've been talking with him for a while as well, and he's incredibly nice. But he, yeah, he does. Uh like to i think he's just a little bit more on the private side than um which i completely understand i think it's like oh, yeah it's just so but like I, I that doesn't surprise me that he was um politely declining you as uh just for, because of how he likes to preserve his uh privacy but yeah i'm happy I to be here understand. i will definitely won't stop me from singing his praises to everyone because he really is like one of the to me he's one of the um og um fat for content creators oh totally i've loved a lot of his old uh older comic kind of style i guess mm -hmm. i don't know is it would you say it's comics i'm not sure what you really call them in fat for culture oh um, yeah the comics the ones that he did the ones that i remember like the 3030 and the various comics like he actually has an old account like he or like on fa he has his main account but you can link yes. to his other account on his main page that is all of his older comics and they are all very very good like they're also like mm -hmm. and oh that was another one that got me into was like the youtube compilations of just like 
certain artist. You know, yes. Like, it was him. I was talking. I was talking exactly about that with uh, my last guest, last uh, episode, Haradoshan. Um, we were exactly talking about like, yeah, some people's uh, introduction to the stuff ended up either being one forty four p content like compilations of <laughs> stolen images, or uh, that one Lugia animation, if you know about it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was that was um, another. I can't like that's the other thing that makes me laugh is how you'll be like looking around and it's just like slideshows and stuff. Like there's all of these slideshows that come out and then you have like just one or two unbelievably high quality animations that that and that one that you're referring to, like when I first came across it, I was thinking someone had to spend a ton of time on this. <laughs> and, just, and like that actually was the, the, it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember just reminded me of sometimes I'll go on and I'll find my own stuff that I've commissioned. And I learned that. So I commissioned this uh, comic from Duo Radon uh, with a friend of mine, uh, probably three or four years ago now, maybe five. But I found out that on YouTube, there's a someone had posted the video with that comic and it has like a, about 300,000 views. Um, <laughs> That's got to be interesting. <laughs> It was interesting. It was it was funny because I, I wasn't surprised because it was. I've seen a lot of content out there with just a absurd number of views. You know, uh, Fatty Dragon Knight has some animations out there with a couple yes. million views. You yeah, know, and now he uh, has that big. Uh, he has horns. That big animation that got that award. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the trucker base actually got to help him a little bit with that one. Oh, um, nice. But, you know, I think he might be the most well known now in terms of just a you know follower like most publicly well known fat for mm -hmm. creator with the animations like a lot of them are heartfelt but some of the early ones are purely kink based but you know I've <laughs> yeah really i've died. seen some of those earlier ones <laughs> yeah and they're, they're great and he still does and like i've been lucky enough to actually do a couple of collaborations or trades with him where he animated my character and every single one is just unbelievably cute and uh well mm -hmm. done and he really yeah. animates him well that's my favorite thing with him is it he, just he's really good at what he does he's really good at what he does um, but yeah you you had mentioned some of uh wolf uh, gone wide or i guess lupine's old art uh stuff mm -hmm. yeah a lot of the older stuff that i remember from him there's three things in particular uh the scooby-doo comic series i guess yep uh the voodoo like rhino thing and then there was a horse sheriff I don't remember that exactly where that was, but yeah. yeah, that was the thirty thirty one. The uh, the horse share. Uh, yeah, that um, was a really yeah, good one. Yeah, those are all excellent. Um, and I remember, and this is funny because I remember exactly like each time you brought one up, I was like, "Yep, I've seen that one." I'll always go back to them. <laughs> just like they're really fun to go back and see. Yeah, it's interesting to go back to old content that was made like nearly a decade or more ago, and you're just like wow we have evolved uh like in, in general like how people have gotten inspiration from other artists or it's just that kind of evolution that's so interesting to me mm -hmm. yeah no i completely agree like it's definitely evolved and it's funny like when i first started and i think a lot of people have done the same thing but they create their fa account maybe a deviant art account twitter they follow they just follow and look at their favorite artists work and then mm -hmm. you so easy or so 
easy to think, oh, this person is so popular and big. How on earth, you know, can you, can I ever be friends with them? And then you start to add to the space and you realize, oh, it's, you know, just people enjoying what they enjoy. And they just happen to maybe grow a following doing what they love. Oh, and totally. So, yeah. Being part of that like, was a lot of fun. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying being part of it was just a lot of fun. Um, that was, you, you didn't interrupt me. You're good. Okay. Well, yeah, I was uh, going to add on to that saying like, people will be like, wow, these, these big uh, creators, they have all these followings. I, I really look, look up to them. I don't, I, you know, that kind of wonder. And it's just like, I, I've come to realize five years ago, they, that same person would have been your position basically. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, it's like sort of a cycle. I've met a couple of people in the past year or two where they were brand new to the space and, you know, we just happened to hit it off and it was the, I was like, I know exactly how you feel right now. They're, you know, they're experimenting with their character. They're making friends in the art space. They're drawing or just finding their style. You know, it's like, I remember asking myself all the same questions. And that's one of my favorite things about the community is how welcoming most people are. They're mm -hmm. super encouraging. They'll always give you feedback and tell you, you know, like this looks great and they won't, you don't really have to be afraid of people being, you know, not so super nice or anything like that. Mm. It, it, I've noticed it's it's a very vocal community compared to, mm -hmm. I guess, other uh, non-furry communities. But I guess th that brings up a good question. Um, was there any point that you thought, like, just from what all you're doing that you're just like, yeah, I want this all that I'm doing to be a big part of my life. Was there any point that you just thought about that? There was, and I would say first it was when I hopped on for Affinity, but that was still me probing and seeing what I liked and what I didn't like. But the biggest part was probably when I started to write and I got some feedback from other people where instead of me just commenting on someone's work and saying, oh my gosh, I love this. It was actually us, you know, starting to converse on Skype or Telegram or Discord and it's suddenly you're talking regularly with someone who that interest is perfectly normal mm -hmm. for them as well. So you can't really bring this up to, you know, people else. It's hard to talk about it outside of the community um, and have people understand what interest um, you have. So that mm -hmm. was probably the point was when I started to write and people started to say they, um, you know, like they saw my character or they were commenting and I would start to reach out to them via notes. And it's like getting more and more confident in the space was when I was thinking, I really like the people here. So maybe I'll stick around. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's <laughs> nice that I guess once I got past that about like 500 follower mark, I didn't get as much awkward interaction from uh, like bigger artists and bigger creators that I liked. Cause it, it's once you put yourself out there in a way that people like, they see that content, they like it. It's way easier to talk with other creators. Yes. Yeah, it is so much easier to do that. And that's like, I'll reach out to people on Twitter sometimes and just be like, hey, I love your content. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes like they might not respond because they're just so inundated with, you know, people reaching out. But a lot of them are. Have, have, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Some of the poor people with like, you know, over a hundred thousand followers, like I don't even know how many DMs they must oh, get in their, their Twitter feed must be over the just crazy amounts. 
I, I couldn't imagine it uh, being that high, not because I don't get a lot of followers, but because I'm the type of person who will constantly purge followers from my list. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I get that too. It's like, uh, just kind of maintaining everything. I got you. Well, yeah. I guess moving a little bit ahead, unless you have anything further to say about that. Um, what would you say kind of like in your own words, really defines the term fat fur or inflation fur to you? Uh, for me, it's sort of a, almost a, I would define it as um, big, round, and kind of cuddly and friendly. A lot of people in the community on t Twitter and uh, FA, they kind of um, teasing each other, you know, like, like good-natured teasing, Kind of um, like if like if, if I was imagining them in like a physical space, it's kind of like they're playfully like bumping each other, and mm -hmm. uh, they're very very confident in like you know messing with each other like and uh, being all throwing their weight around is probably that that's what I was thinking of throwing the weight around and not being shy about mm -hmm. it, you know that's what I yes. imagine it, it's just like a very friendly welcoming and maybe like a physical community where it, not in like a bad way but just you know everyone's comfortable being like in each other's space in a sense. yes you there's a there's a level of comfort and respect that you each kind of already have an expectation going into that you mm -hmm. don't feel uncomfortable when people are like uh <laughs> asterisks rubs belly asterisks yeah yeah it's kind of almost a part of it and obviously like some people might say just they don't want that but for the most part people are kind of comfortable to default flirt if someone you know if if you reach out to someone and say oh my gosh i love your character they're adorable they're like they always love that you know they'd love to hear that and it's just a very warm kind of welcoming community just by yeah. default like you said it's just like there's a inherent quality of it that people associate with the fat fur community yeah. um I I have to imagine it's probably due to an appreciation of bigger sizes and probably something to just do with wanting to interact with bigger sizes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the bigger size, the part of the reason, you know, like I think a lot of people love the, this, that, this sort of community is because they want people to interact with bigger, heftier fellas. And it's like, the reason I made my character was this big was because they're meant to be cuddled or they're meant to be, you know, sat, <laughs> on or like uses a bed or a chair or a couch or you know yeah they're basically, they're basically meant to be as like uh to a degree an object of comfort you know it's just to be oh, inviting totally. take hugs give hugs and um mess around and just have a really good time that's one of the reasons why yeah. i enjoy it so much is it's just <laughs> it's comfortable yeah. yeah i i completely agree i like that kind of sentiment but i feel like with your character nowadays uh more specifically Callum nowadays uh you're less being the one laid on more doing the laying on yes no he I do like to um have him get quite big <laughs> he um yeah. he's like I like to have him be like sort of like a teasing you know everyone let's all have fun kind of character mm -hmm. and the Baker thing like there was reason like it hasn't Years is because it kind of fits all of the things that I like to 
use him for you know like it's mainly like him getting bigger but also him getting people and being able to kind of have a good time and uh in his own element yeah totally um (laughs) i'm looking through your content and it's uh there's always one character that i see in everyone's fat for content and it's uh (laughs) it's it has 22 high water. He appears everywhere. <laughs> yes, he does. He's a good friend of mine. Um, and he, yeah, he's like, a, like well, he's one of his, uh, Tiger is one of my personal favorites in design wise. Um, just because like of the, I don't know what it is, but for me, like a lot of my stuff is visual. And mm-hmm. for me, like, you know, like I've gotten plenty of content with him. And uh, he's like, I think part of it is like he loves to be squished. So it's like a very complimentary. <laughs> he's literally me. <laughs> yeah, he's such a sweet and he's like really nice to talk to in real life. Well, you know, like he has so much great art and he gets so many like really, really fun artists to uh, draw his his uh, characters. But yeah, he's probably featured in quite a number of my uh, arts in the last couple of years yeah uh, i would have to imagine he'd be such a nice person considering how many people he uh gets art with but moving on from that uh or i guess kind of adjacent to it nowadays compared to like early on nowadays really um is there anything that inspires you is there a person is there a certain thing certain event anything in particular that nowadays inspires you so art wise, um, when I first joined, um, there was quite a few that stood out, you know, like either they were mainstays already, sort of like Sugar Boy, Duo Radon, uh, mm-hmm. Gil Panda, Big Love Alicia, yes. Hector the Wolf was a like if, for Disney style bigger characters, Hector just was wonderful. Um, Kaigan Drake is a good friend of mine who I actually was the very first person to commissioned something from him a couple of years back and it was so mm-hmm. i basically have been able to watch him go from beginning to now being one of like honestly one of the biggest names in the community oh, right now yes absolutely when i when i managed to get an artwork uh art piece from him i was ecstatic and uh i've used this one art piece from him so many times i'll have to pass it to you uh either sometime in this podcast or uh after the podcast is over i'm i'm absolutely in love with it even though i'm the one who did the the coloring to it <laughs> yeah no he his um yeah his line work is phenomenal he he's uh out of all the people that i have known personally i think i don't know anyone else who has committed as much time just overall like like i know some people like who draw like a ton and they've been doing it for years but he's the one that I've watched it happen to in real time. So he went from college to drawing full-time freelance art. And it's, um, I've been able to see like the, the, the amount of work that he puts into it is just unreal. And yeah, he's, he's, um, and he's super sweet too. You know, like there's a, like he's, he's one of the nicest people that I know. Um, but yeah, he's, a he's one of my biggest inspirations. And then another is, a uh, 
I think we I mean I, you know we already talked about him, but uh, Fatty Dragonite was another one. Mm-hmm. Animations with the art and everything, and um, so I've really enjoyed them. And then writing wise, you know, there's Wolf Gun Wide and Captain Furry both have created content just spanning back years and years, and their content is very much what I um, was looking for when I was just starting out. It was it was it was sort of hard to find stories that were this sort of content, but they were longer form. And so finding mm-hmm. the longer form was a huge um, plus for me because I, I like I grew up enjoying reading and then writing, of course. And so mm-hmm. like it was sort of like a blueprint for me to say, OK, so this is how you go about doing this. Yeah, <laughs> I've had a difficult relationship with uh, reading and writing where like the older I get, the less I want to read, but the more I want to write. And then that kind of shifts into the more I want to read, but the less I want to write. And it it's an awkward like battle to try to make those two work out. Yes. Yeah, no, it definitely can be. So like, yeah. have there been any major projects you've done or been a part of? Yeah, no, I've done quite a few um, story-wise, of course, for me, but um one of the biggest ones i've done recent or in the last couple of years was uh about a hundred pages of writing for me it was like maybe forty thousand words really holy what was that it was like a medieval um weight gain adventure magic all of that with sugar boy um where he drew like he she illustrated it i wrote it and then we made it like sort of uh then we sold it as a package deal. Um, this was like three, four years ago that we did. Actually, you know, it might have been longer than that. But that was a big project that we worked on and took me probably a couple of weeks to write the story and him maybe a little bit even longer to, to draw it. Um, but yeah, that was a big one. And there's a couple other bigger projects that I am currently working on but cannot really yes. say much about them because I don't know if they're you know sometimes like these projects will start but then you don't know if they're gonna see the way through um, (laughs) yes i completely relate to that yeah um but on then on a personal level you know i've done probably about a dozen yches which are all often more maybe about 12 to twenty thousand words each so they're Mm -hmm. always longer form stories um i yeah i i've gotta ask a question about that because I understand, like, visual YCHs, because there's a base you're working off that you can swap. But I've always been a bit interested in the function of, like, uh, written YCHs. How does, that, how does that go for you? They actually have worked really well. I Actually, uh, when I was first starting them, I looked up story YCHs because I was curious if anyone had ever done them. And a couple people have, but they were spread out so i was just looking through them and i was was, like you were saying it's hard to it's easy to do with art because it's like there's stages to it you know it goes from sketch to line to flat colors shaded uh, yada 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 it's like Mm -hmm. what do you do with the story and i was like well they you can just make them into trials so it's like i make them basically the default is you know beginning middle end and then i just start to fill in more and more details with more that's paid for them so it's, you know, beginning, middle, 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 middle. And, you know, the beginning and end are 
easy enough to do because of the premise of the story and then the middle just make it adaptable depending on how much the mm -hmm. uh, commissioner wants and usually the commissioners um you know like they, their interests and their kinks are very much aligned with mine um mm -hmm. and i've had i've had a couple of interesting um scenarios but for the most part they tend to be in line of like you know stuffing you know feeding and then there's obviously like the more um nsfw stuff but mm -hmm. it's always um i think a lot of people know from what like if they look at cal i mean you, you can kind of get a good sense of what he's about if you look at just like a quick glance at my yes. gallery and whatnot um, <laughs> yeah uh go, go ahead I'll, I'll have a question after you finish oh no you're good um but yeah the ychs are a lot of fun and so like when i first did the first one i think it was gosh i actually might be able to pull it up it was a while ago um let's see yeah it was uh seven years ago so you know, the year after i really started to write um and then i didn't do them like so i did a couple and then i uh stopped and then i went and started to do them again about three years ago so there was about a four-year gap between when i did them the first time and then i started to do them again so now i've kind of gotten the form down and if you ever want um the uh way i do them is uh, a lot of fun if you ever want to check those <laughs> out they might be fun if you want to try one <laughs> i'm i'm the type of person i so i've done quite a bit of writing um, I'm not sure if you checked out uh, my profile whenever I sent you a note, um, but the style of writing I do is I start with an idea, mm -hmm. and what I try to do is I'm always good with figuring out the ending. I know the climax I want to get to, but the middle point is always a nightmare. I can <laughs> never figure out. Like I have this one uh, project I'm working on. It's a uh, it was originally a D&D campaign I was doing with some friends, but since things fell out of the way, I decided to keep writing it like an actual, uh, I guess, novel size it might end up being. It might be more of a novella, but um, I ended up keep, kept writing it, and I'd get stuck in month-long like stretches of not writing anything because I could not figure out for the life of me how I was going to get to a scene I actually wanted to write. That is a tricky part for me as well um especially for the longer stories like it was like how do i keep it interesting and keep the energy of the story up and then i realized it's you know just write something that always involves action um because sometimes like i'll write like a stuffing situation and it's like okay i've got the character here they're getting bigger but honestly it's not really interesting just to have them sitting there getting bigger until they reach the point like you were saying the climax yes. it's like yes. maybe the climax is they burst out of the building like they're huge and they burst out of the building and they like that's their ending right there but like it's like there's got to be like a little bit more going on so i just will usually introduce like some outside element that forces the focus to go from just oh this character is getting bigger to oh this character is getting bigger but maybe they have to um, fight off, you know, something and they have to use their weight to do it. Like, so they have to get creative with it or maybe yes. they're, you know, doing like, uh, 
you know, they're just in a situation that just makes it more fun for them to get bigger. And, you know, maybe they bring in another character that can, uh, you know, get squished while they're doing it. So it's like, oh, all totally. of a sudden you have more characters point of view. So I do, I do get that um, mid, you know, getting to the midpoint is, is sort of hard because you don't always think about the uh, middle. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. just, uh, what, go, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, whether it comes to the fat for writing or fetish writing, whatever you want to call it, um, or the non-fetish uh, writing, there, I, I don't know how to say it, but like, there's only so many ways you can talk about a character sitting there and doing the same thing. Yes. Yeah, there's only so many ways you can describe a character getting bigger. Um, and it's like, Yes, you have to sort of change the environment around you as well. Maybe it's like, you know, like I, I will say like one of the things that's very popular for commissioners to get from me is they come into Callum's bakery and they get, you know, stuffed and get bigger. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's fun. So like, I basically have to think about, okay, I've done this before, obviously. And there's an element of comfort in that. Like, I know how my dragons interact with them. I know, you know, where they might um get stuff but like i'll always try and add like you know like say like do you have any really custom kinks that you want me to throw in there because usually Mm -hmm. they do like they might have you know one of them might have or really enjoy like the clothing and being like the focus of it you know like i really want them to burst out of their clothing so i'll be like okay let me put a lot of detail into that and that you know takes up you know a couple more paragraphs and they really enjoy it or maybe it's like floating hands or maybe they have a friend that they want to kind of be involved so yeah it's like um yeah it's like a really good thing to think about when you're writing these stories yeah how how can you develop it uh develop it further and make sure you're not um making it feel stale but i there there was a question that came to mind earlier um maybe i'm misreading it but i remember earlier on when i was first watching your content you were from what i remember you were not very interested in portraying a lot of explicitly sexual content and now you've uh nowadays you show a lot more of a a i guess comfort with it so was there any point that like you just kind of realized you're not too uncomfortable with having more sexual content related to this content in general i guess um that is true um and i would say gosh i'm trying to think of when it really started because it was kind of like uh like when i started to get the more mature stuff it was kind of slowed getting up to that point and then when i realized it was like oh you know it's just a lot of fun it, then from there it was very easy you know to go mm-hmm. to the next step so i would say it was probably for me realizing you know like i've got all of these kinks like it's like oh i love to have my character on weight or they get bigger or whatnot and then the next step was like well you know they're obviously going to get too big for the clothes so they're not going to have any clothes on um it's like so like it just sort of slowly like you know like, a lot of it was actually finding art that wasn't was NSFW that I really really enjoyed and and then sometimes I would start to write a story and be like oh let me just include elements of what I really liked about that picture into it and see how that feels mm-hmm. and then I was like oh this is 
actually pretty comfortable, you know, like I'm comfortable with it. And so from there, it was just um, me finding, you know, more and more comfort with different things. And now I'm completely fine with it. You know, like all, a lot of my stories, probably like more than half of them have NSFW aspect. <laughs> yeah. A lot of your uh, most recent content is, uh, let's see here. I'm just pulling it right back up. Uh, it's your most recent content I've seen is uh, being with, was it Rose in a pot or whatever he goes by? I'm trying to mm -hmm. uh, burnt toast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like very much lewd on the lewd side. And like he does, like the reason, like I, I with also with the artists that I'm getting the art from, will kind of dictate what I get from them. Like if, like with yes. him, he just does an amazing job with that physique and like that kind of muscle yes. gut build. So, but I also love, you know, he does really good kinkier stuff. So I'm like, I would rather get something in that vein than I would try and do like, like if I, if I were to get something cute and cuddly from him, it would feel just lacking? like, I'm not, what'd you say? Uh, would it feel lacking? Yeah. I mean, it would feel like I'm not taking advantage of like his best like uh, traits. Cause like a lot, a lot of his work is like, um, side and i like that's one of the reasons i love his art so much is he just does it so well mm -hmm. and like i don't doubt that he would be able to do like really like fun cute safer work stuff but like if i you know the reason like i i think that was part of a trade that we did that like my part of the trade when i did the story was also really you know like on the lewd side and it was like a lot of fun so we just like that sort of like dynamic of our interactions is they're more on the adult side whilst you know like i've um done stuff with other friends like when if i do something with uh dragon I, always you know like he he's very um f uh, family friendly content mm -hmm. i love to get stuff from him that's more on the wholesome side you know like it might be my baker mm -hmm. just being bigger um same with like kaigan you know like they're both very safe for work and i love that because it's like i have two different so many different things i can enjoy yeah, than, uh, there's there's certain moves you can get into, and it doesn't have to be like explicit to still scratch that itch of comfort, like you'd mentioned way earlier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I I feel at this point, uh, since we're halfway through, I'm gonna throw in a bit of a a lightning round of certain questions at you, and this is gonna be a little bit fun. So, are you ready? <laughs> Yes. All right. First question. Thin crust or stuffed crust pizza? Uh, stuffed crust. Ooh, particular reason? Uh, I mean, apart from the easy connections they can make to our um, preferred community. <laughs> yes. Um, I just really love, like, I mean, it's obviously superior, um, but I really enjoy thick crust for i don't know if you guys um where you where you are when you order pizza but like they have like a garlic dipping sauce for um mm -hmm. pizza what we have and the thick crust is always better for that gotcha all right next one jacket and t-shirt or long sleeve shirt uh jacket and t-shirt okay any particular reason uh the variety if it gets a little hot i can take the jacket off and Vice versa, if it gets a little too cold, long sleeve is just 
I guess you can roll the sleeves up, but I've just always enjoyed the jacket. All right. And last question. Uh, lion or tiger, which would win in a fight? Tiger. Oh. <laughs> it's two for two on that one. Any particular <laughs> reason? Um, I mean, I've just seen, and I know, I, th- I believe Siberian tigers outweigh lions by a considerable amount. And they are undisputedly cooler in my eyes. <laughs> I don't know. That's valid. I think lions are just so, like, they're such a mainstream, like, animal. I know tigers are pretty popular, but lions are so mainstream with, like, power and all that. I like the less mainstream animals to win. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think there's also a bit of bias, uh, considering you've gotten uh, quite a bit of art with Axton. That that is true. That is also true. He is a big reason why I have Tiger um, appreciation. Also, I'm looking at his ref sheet now because I just pulled up his account. His his actual ref sheet makes him look way more buff than he ever gets himself drawn as. That is that is a missed opportunity. Well, that's because it's brand new. Um, ah. Before that, he had a much leaner build. That um, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Very very new. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's got one of my favorite designs, and uh, yeah, I think I actually just got some art with him recently. I think it was the the bake bakery scene, uh, like the he's making something and then stuffing you, or is that a different image? Uh, that's a different one. <laughs> we've okay. had we've gotten quite a few together um, over the last couple of years. Gotcha. All right. Well. I would say that ends the lightning round of questions, and we can move back to direct. So, I guess talking about old artwork, um, how would you compare your work now to what you did in the past? And do you have any kind of, like, favorite pieces you've made or any favorite moments you've had throughout creation? Um, I definitely have improved a lot upon my work over the last eight years. Like I've gone back and reread some of the stuff that I wrote at the very beginning. And a lot of it is like the flow of the writing has improved a lot where, mm-hmm. you know, part of that is kind of cutting out a lot of the excess. I used to think I had to write every like little detail into a scene to make sure the reader understood what was going on. And then now I realized, oh, they can infer a lot from well-placed words and whatnot. Um, and then favorite recent works that I've done um, would probably be some of the stories I've posted recently. A uh, really fun one that I did recently was... Some... Oh, you cut out there. Uh, can oh, you... I did. Um, one of my favorite recent works... Um, that I did was someone was kind enough to commission me um, where their character was actually stuffing my character, which is always like kind of very nice of them whenever someone does that. And so they essentially were treating, it's called the Royal Romp and it's uh, not becoming like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see that. Yeah. And it's, uh, (laughs) it's my test subject. I, I see his character around, around a lot. It's also the same as a, and us twenty two. Uh, that one does not have. Oh, that that's next to corporate overlord. The the royal rump is uh, featuring 
uh, test subject for, uh, 410. Oh yeah, that that's not NS22. Oh no, I was just saying it. Uh, it has the oh, same. He has the same style and vibe of what he writes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, it's all good. I I think I mis I, uh miscommunicated. I think I think I yeah I I might have misunderstood misinterpreted what you had said there. Sorry. That was <laughs> it's all um... good. It's all good. Uh, all right. So, moving on from that question, this is kind of more of just a general talk about the community in general or whatever platform you want to say. Uh, what are your thoughts about um the community of fat furs and inflation furs and such. Do you think things have like improved over time? Things have gotten worse. What are your general thoughts? I personally think things have improved for the most part. Um, just in general for, you know, for me, it's like, I've gotten a lot more comfortable posting content in this community and really enjoying interacting with a lot of people. And from what I've seen personally, it seems like a lot of you know, like more and more people are joining the community. And you know, as time goes on, obviously bigger and bigger in general. And I've from the quality of people that I've seen join it since I've joined, it's been really promising. And um I would say, you know, like in general, overall, I think it's getting a getting just continuing to get better and better. And you know. I like my Twitter feed, my FA are always filled with really, really quality artwork from both smaller and larger content creators. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing it a lot. And, <laughs> I you know, feel that's partially me to blame because if you go on my Twitter account, all I do is retweet stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and I love that too. I, I, and also, I don't, this is something actually I was curious if you saw, but since, um, I feel like since it went to, x like like the thing changed to x um a lot of people's art from like years ago has been popping up in my for yes. you feed and i honestly like at first i was like what is going on I kind of enjoy it. oh you're, you're cutting out a bit i'm sorry yeah, yeah shoot are you can you hear me so now? you're saying a lot of uh older content was, uh was popping up yeah yeah, and it, and I kind of enjoy it because it's all like their like most popular content, and it's usually stuff that I I've either liked or you know I've maybe interacted with it before, and it's really really good. You know, you kind of forget about it, and then it comes back and you're like, oh, blast from the past, really good work. Uh, so yeah, but I just thought it was like a funny kind of hiccup that they had. That, uh, yeah, that, I, I've I've heard a few people mentioning that, so it's it's interesting that uh, you know I I saw that actually happening on YouTube as well, where a lot of uh, videos from people who are like have a hundred views or two hundred views on their uh, video are starting to pop up in my recommendations. Oh, really? I I wonder if it's just a general like everyone has changed uh, certain algorithms to show lesser known content i wonder if that's just a general shift that's happened yeah it might be it's definitely like um, i know with the way the uh twitter at least it's like you know people are hopping over onto blue sky and all of that with the way just twitter's being run now <laughs> yes yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting 
Yeah, episode one, I had uh, talked about uh, the debate, or I guess not debate, just the decision people are making over whether Blue Sky or Mastodon. Have you uh, decided in either particular place? Uh, I have made a Blue Sky account, but I haven't really... Um... I haven't really posted too much there. It's it's weird to start like on another social media platform after spending so much time on the ones you're kind of... Oh, totally. So right now I'm sort of yeah, I'm sort of adding a little bit to it, but I'm not completely jumping shit from Twitter yet. <laughs> yeah, to... I I I have the same situation. Like a a lot of <laughs> well, as much as I don't want to leave, I have made a mastodon just in case. But I yeah. I have said this before, and I will say it again. I am going down with this ship. I have experienced <laughs> the death of uh, Google Plus, uh, Flipnote Hatena, and other platforms. I can deal with the death of Twitter. Hmm. Yeah, that's the same for me. Like I know I used to post on Weasel. I think it was, and I think it's still kind of a thing. I just I I haven't been there in years, but I I used to have an account there where I basically post everything there, and nowadays like I don't. But like, it's just funny what stays and what doesn't based on like, for me it's almost necessity. Like everyone like I have a Facebook account for example, but I only use it because other people use it so much you can't really survive without it. Um, yeah. And and you know I I think part of the the scare that people have with Twitter going away is just because it's a big name. But then again, like, if we end up losing a lot of these big names, we go back to, like, the smaller communities. Like, we get, we might end up getting, a, a, like, a roundhouse part two. Um, but <laughs> that's more just a hypothetical situation. But, no, I, I, I honestly think the Twitter going away scare is just something that happens every month or two. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like a new new side is popping up, and some of them might stick around, but it's it's tough to break into the space where people have been posting for years and years on others. So I totally agree. Well, I guess regarding others and such, do you have any advice or like kind of things you'd like to say for others in the community? Um, I mean, the biggest thing for me was the breakthrough of realizing that contributing to the community is nowhere near as intimidating as it might seem. You know, I think a lot of people are a little bit shy about sharing out their first work, but you're going to get a very helpful and encouraging reaction from the people in the community because they want to see more and they want to, you know, meet more people. Um, so, you know, if you are someone who's lurking around and you have stuff you've worked on and you want to share it, you know, you don't even have to post it. You can you know, reach out to a couple of people that, you know, maybe you admire. I can guarantee you that they're going to be kind to you and, and give you great feedback on it. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure to be a part of this community for so long. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that you've stayed this long. It's it's Thanks. nice that I'm getting the opportunity to talk to these people who have been here for like decade plus. Because um, they have so much to say. They have been around for so long and know about the development of the stuff. So I want to hear their voices. And I think it's nice that you're, you and other people who have been this long, uh, been here this long are getting the opportunity, opportunity to say your, uh, your piece. Yeah. Thank you. You know, it's a lot of fun to be a part of the community and 
be able to encourage people if they do like you know reach out to me i it's always fun to kind of see you know what they've been working on because they usually have like a interesting take on community their characters and what they're doing as they approach it totally well i guess as we're winding down here do you have any final thoughts questions anything that you want to just generally talk about uh i think i'm all right i think we covered most of the things that i was um thinking about when just leading up to this so i think i'm good here all right well thank you so much for coming on today and i'll be sure to link the proper social medias in the description of this podcast in other way uh other words i guess this is where we end this segment and we move on to the next segment of tonight so i've got some wonderful news for you all i thought in closing out this episode i'd talk about a specific game project we all like games don't you well I just happen to have a game project that I am currently working on. And, well, to make things easier for everyone else, I'd like to reach out to all of you to possibly get involved. So for a little while now, I've been working on a board game project. Um, an idea came to mind about a fat fur board game. I had uh, talked about it with some people. Um, that was a voice crack, wonderful. I was talking about it with some people, and I happened to get in the creation mood and start working on something. So I have a little board game that I've been working on called The Boardwalk. Let me read you off the introduction synopsis so you can kind of understand the vibe, and then we'll talk more about the details of the game. So, a new boardwalk has just opened up, and you and three others have won an all... A new boardwalk has just opened up, and you and three others have just won an all-day no-cost experience to splurge on as much tasty food and fun activities as you can stomach. But perhaps stomach hits too close to home, as the lack of monetary worries leads instead to waistline worries. Will you be the last person standing and waddle your way out, or will you fall as a blobby victim to the endless festivities? So, this is a... It's a board game that I've been told by a lot of people is comparable in appearance to Monopoly. But the easiest way I can say it is you roll your dice, you move around the board, and certain spaces make you either gain weight or lose weight. You start at 100 pounds, and you have to be... Well, the, the game basically ends when someone reaches 1,000 pounds. You have corner spaces that have certain cards... Uh, that you can draw that will affect certain things, certain event cards that affect everyone, and chance cards that either have a risk-reward system, you could say. That there's a risk to it where you could possibly lose massively, or you could win something pretty good. Um, there's a lot more to it, but I will discuss that at a later date, because what I want to discuss here is the opportunity for everyone else. So I've been in talks with certain artists, um, and I wanted to offer the opportunity for people within the Fat Fur community to possibly get involved with their uh, with their personas. Basically, 
this is an opportunity for all of you listening at home, and I will be putting this out as a uh, like actual post later on, but this is to let you all know in advance. I will be creating a, uh, I guess, a raffle for some of these and an auction for another. But there will be an opportunity to have your persona appear within this board game. So, there's going to be three different opportunities. One of which is going to be a raffle giveaway, because of how small it is. And two of them are going to end up being auctions. So, the first one is having your character on one of two different types of cards. So in, their, in this game, I mentioned that there are event cards and chance cards. If you know Monopoly, you know that it has a little character on those like uh, community chest or chance cards. There's a little character display on there and then a little blur blurb to the side. I'm doing about kind of the same idea. So there's a chance from a raffle perspective. You have effectively a... There's 32 slots, I think. Possibly not that many. There might be less, depending on what we decide to go with, uh, based on what the artist decides. Um, I'll have to converse more with them. But there is a good chance that, I want to say, at least 25 or more slots of a potential raffle where you will appear, your little persona will appear in one of those cards. Now, since those are not uh, as big and not as frequently seen, those are going to be kind of a giveaway raffle. That being said, there is also going to be the like corner slots. So, like I mentioned, the event and chance cards happen to be gotten from corner spaces. From both the corner spaces and the back of the cards that will be seen the majority of the time at play, those will be one of two raffles. I'm not sure yet about a um, potential, like, starting uh, money thing. I don't know what you call it. Like, uh, how much money you need to bet up front. I'm not sure about that, but I will eventually get around to making a post about that. But with that all said, it will most likely be kind of similar to the card. But because you're seen so frequently throughout the game, like you're seen constantly throughout the game uh, with your persona, it's going to be smaller. Uh, it's going to be a bit tighter. So we're going to need to give it out as a potential auction. I may change my mind. This is not a guarantee, but there may be a, a potential that it goes from being an auction to a raffle, depending on what happens. So, I will make a post about that as well. And the third post is something that is guaranteed to be an auction. So, for the board game itself, there's going to be two different art pieces that I'm going to be getting. Um, one is going to be the background of the board, and the second is going to be what could be technically considered the box art but this is not really going to be a physical product it's going to be something i'm going to do as a uh, digital product which i'll explain that in a little while but the i guess what you'll call the box art or promotional material um is going to have the same image but with a chance of your persona appearing on there in full color so it'll be four characters on there because this is a four-player game uh four characters appearing 
on a boardwalk setting with different stalls, whether it be food or activities and etc. That will be the later auction to come. Um, and that is a guaranteed auction because of the, um, the fact that it's colored and the fact that you're kind of representing the project itself. Uh, you're going to have a lot more scene to you rather than just being a tiny little uh, <laughs> blob in the sidebar, if you get what I mean. Um, but that will be three different opportunities that you have to submit your fursona to appear within this board game. Um, I had mentioned something in particular. Uh, I will have to go back at some point and probably address it in a future post. Um, but yeah, so what what is this game kind of like? I mentioned that you go around the board, you get certain... Oh, hello, Telegram. Wonderful. Um, so there's going to be a different handful of different things that you're going to be playing with this game, but the meta of this game is gaining weight until you get to a certain weight. Uh, there's two different ways you can play this game whenever you actually play it. Either you race to be the biggest first by ending the game at a thousand pounds, or uh, whoever gets to a thousand pounds, the game ends, and then whoever's the skinniest wins. Um, I did a test run and I added some stuff recently based on uh, feedback from people who, who were attending, watching it, and the person I played with. Um, I found that some things kind of work a bit smoother in other regards. Um, I found that I needed to be a little bit more direct with certain things, and hopefully I can do a beta test run of this game on a live stream to show you all what it really looks like, how it truly plays. Um, from the test run I did with a person, the, the person that I was playing with, it lasted us about 30 minutes. Um, which, by the way, the benchmark of how this game plays, since you get to about a thousand pounds, it's about a 30 minute game. Uh, we added some stuff that are now newer things that I'm going to be including with this for later versions of the game. But um, the 1000 benchmark is more or less, if you're doing a two-player game, it's going to be about 30 minutes. So I can see it possibly being an hour-long game if you're doing like four players. But I could be incorrect. It just kind of depends on you know the speed that you play at. But there will be other things like different benchmark uh, recommendations, uh, certain ways that the game will get a lot faster, a lot quicker. Um, once we got to the cards, uh, once we really started getting more and more use out of the cards, it became really fun to just kind of throw things off. Um, I, I I had a lot of fun creating the, the rules, the board. Um, <laughs> it was a big little, it was a fun little project, I guess you could say. And my hope is this project will be complete sometime before 2024. I cannot guarantee that the digital product will be done before 2024, but that's my hope. Now, I remember now that I mentioned that uh, small little thing I would get back to later. I have not intended this yet to be a physical product. 
this is going to be a product that you will be able to almost likely sell it um, for a small little amount of money. And depending on how I can do things, I'll be able to sell it. But regardless, it will be a project that you can print out or more likely it will be a tabletop simulator project, um, whether it be actually tabletop simulator or um, like that game or what's that other one? Uh, Roll20 is a D&D website. You can use that possibly. But it's going to be a digital focused project with the potential of a physical release. Um, probably like as a... Uh, if I get a lot of people really, really wanting a physical release and we get a... I might get like a kick... Like I don't know if it's a Kickstarter or some sort of Kofi or something to pay for a physical product, but that is not a guarantee whatsoever. I'm telling you now, the only guarantee I can promise is it will be a digital product. Um, there is no guarantee that I will ever be able to make a physical product out of this, but regardless, that is my discussion of the Fat Fur board game I am working on called The Boardwalk, and more details will come along as the project continues. My hope is sometime later this month, I can get out the auctions and the raffles. More than likely, I will do the raffle. I will probably host all three simultaneously, but I will have to do it in different posts, whatever. This is very early on talking about getting all of you involved, but I just want to let you know, look out for the opportunity to have your persona appear in a board game. Uh, so if you want to keep up to date with all that, um, you can check me out on Twitter or X. Um, I go by lo loco underscore, underscore K underscore O, um, and you can figure out more of the posts that I post there. I am also on Fur Affinity at Lococo. Um, just keep there for updates. You will hear from me. I'm guaranteeing you this is not a dropped project. This is just stuff that's taking time. So if you're interested, stay tuned. And with all that said, we come to a close for today's episode. If you'd like to keep up to date with any future podcast episodes, you can check us out over at soundcloud.com slash loco-k-o. Or if you have any questions or just want to contact us, you can shoot me an email at lococo.hpf at gmail.com. With all that said, thank you for coming, and I hope you all have a fab and happy day. Till next time. <laughs>